The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachak Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachak. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachak Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from a reality bubble at the end of time, it's Doctor Who, Pachak. Gallifern Embassy presents Doctor Who Pachak, episode 334. And this is Lewis Trapani, and we're live, and joining me on this live show is... We're going to, let's see, we're going to jump across the pond as we usually do. Don't get your feet wet. So um, we're going to take that leap. And we have Dave A.C. Cooper, as always, our trusty, loyal companion, co-host. And um, I, don't know, I can't think of what else. Uh, British Twelve gentleman. Gent. <laughs> what was that? Swell gent. <laughs> okay. That, yeah, that too. That about that. Hey, Dave. Hi, Owen. I'm glad to talk to you. I'm fed up of digging this hole. I've been digging it for what seems like forever. <laughs> and I don't even like gardening. Well, at least you're not, um, you know, banging on a diamond wall. <laughs> <laughs> that could be quite painful. Indeed. All right. So we're going to uh, jump back across that same pond. Don't get your feet wet. And joining us on this side of the pond is uh, AKA Professor Cronotus, but we know him as Lee Shackelford. Hello, Lee. Hey. Hey. Good to be back with you. Good to have you back. Yeah. And uh, Lee's cohort in crime, none other than <laughs> Kyle Jones. Hello, Kyle. Hey. Hey, 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 glad to be here once again, and I'm really quite excited to discuss the finale. Let me apologize in advance for the listeners. My voice is going in and out today. Had a bit of food poisoning last night, just a little bit, but I'm feeling better, but my voice is not. So uh, if you all of a sudden lose me or whatever, or if I start sounding like a Dalek, you'll know why. Yeah, you got to stay away from that. Those bad fish fingers and custard. You know, make sure. Absolutely. Make sure you check the expiration date. Good fish fingers. <laughs> it just kind of makes you feel all wibbly wobbly. <laughs> yeah. And also uh, on, well, my, I, one might say my neighbor here in the northeast, Taras Natitian. Hello, Taras. Hello. It's good to have you back. It's good to be back. How are the stars? So are um, we all? 
how the star is doing. I know Taras is a astronomy well, connoisseur. Well, <laughs> right now is the era of the Geminid meteor shower, but unfortunately it's going to be foggy in the area tonight. Uh, that's a shame. Yeah, it's been, we're getting a lot oh. of that moisture and fog in, lately in, in this area. It's looking, seem, looks a little it's, bit... It's evoking London. I, I was going to say, it's, it's, it's a little London-ish. Yeah. Luckily for you, Taras, we have a shower here in the room. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we're all here, and we're glad that you're here. We have, as always during a live show, a live chat going on. And if you're listening to this after the fact, uh, you can always join in on the live chat on TalkShoe, where we do our live shows. So if you go to TalkShoe, that's shoe as in footwear, not show. It's uh, sort of taking a, doing the um, Ed um, Sullivan pronunciation. We have a really big shoe. So it's uh, TalkShoe.com, and our caller ID is 23358. So you're welcome to uh, join us there on that live. And also, after the fact, we also welcome your calls and feedback. As always, you can send feedback to Pachak at uh, feedback. I'm sorry, it's Pete. Feed, I should know what the email address is. It's feedback at Pachak.net. I'm getting a... Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, but then again, that was a, that was a theme for another podcast. I don't we won't get into now because it's going to be too long to explain. So uh, feedback at podshock.net is our f- uh, feedback ad- email address. But uh, since it's an audio podcast, you can send uh, you can call and um, record your feedback at the Podshock public call box at two zero six three three seven four six nine nine. And uh, it works like voicemail. And also, also as always, um, just double verify because that number has changed and may change in the future depending on when you're listening to this. Because this, you could be listening to this four and a half billion years in the future, and <laughs> somehow I have a feeling that number might not still be working. Or then again, it might. So, but who knows who you might get when you call? You might get a TARDIS. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, just check our website, podshock.net, for uh, the latest number if it has changed. And there's a feedback tab on the top. Okay, so we're going to be reviewing the series finale. That's uh, Series 9 or the 2015 series. Uh, um, Again, I am saying this because who knows when you're listening to this, but if you're listening live, obviously the current series the current series that just concluded finale, the last two episodes, even though the third to last will be included as well, though we already did a review of that. So, um, but you know, it's part of the finale, but before we do, is there any, um, any new news, um, since our last, um, recording that we should, um, speak of? We've got, uh, some books coming out uh, about uh, a shoulder's tale. Oh, okay. The Legends of a Shoulder. Never before told stories of the woman who lived. And mm. isn't there also a, a big finish? And I think those those came out already on the that book came out on uh, December tenth. So. Uh, okay, so that was just or, last or that's when the, Thursday the, as the we record this. Is. Um, we should note that we're recording this on the 13th of December, again, for future historians. And um, Yeah, you're right. It, it came out, uh, say, hardcover December the uh, 15th. Well, uh, on Amazon, at least, it's showing up. Um, 
hardcover price and then a Kindle price. So interesting. And speaking of dates, um, we should also know that the date, and it's by no surprise that the date has been announced for the Christmas um, special, which is, I, um, I believe, unless December 28th. They, unless they change change the date. Isn't it the 25th? It's on yes. Christmas at 5.15 p.m. So on Christ- BBC One. So, yeah, so that's uh, traditionally Christmas is uh, December 25th. <laughs> if if I have my if I have my dates right, almost all. Darn it, I was wrong. <laughs> and the U.S. and Canada has it at nine p.m. Now check your uh, local listings and coordinates to make sure you can catch it. As always, though, and it will New be- Zealand and Australia and South Africa and. Uh, the Benelux have it on uh, Boxing Day. Ah. That's, uh... Well, if we're doing international news, just to mention that uh, France, in France, they're, they're, they've not yet shown Series 9, but they're going to be showing it, you know, dubbed in, in their own language. And that starts uh, with The Magician's Apprentice on Saturday, the 26th of December. So um, usually they've had to wait a whole year to get it dubbed, uh, we, we, know, we know that uh, German is usually fairly quick off the mark getting it dubbed into their own language, but uh, this is, uh, uh, well, it's the Channel France 4. Uh, we'll be able to get it uh, straight after Christmas this year. Oh. Very good. Good to know. Well, I hope uh, uh, if there's any French folks listening, um, when you do catch up on, because I'm assuming you won't be listening to this until you have seen those episodes uh please chime in with your thoughts and feelings um even if we're you know moved on to other things we still want to get your feedback so we're and the jer- the german dubbed christmas special will be on uh the 28th of january okay cool uh we did have another sad uh, loss of life um actor oh. nicholas smith yes died aged 81, uh, born in 1943. That was announced uh, on the Doctor Who News not, .net site uh, on the 8th of December. Um, and he had many roles in other UK drama, including The Saint, Avengers, Champions, Ace of Wands, uh, and so on. But um, I think he started off being more of a stunt uh, person, but um, he was uh, did a lot of things. Of course, many people who are Anglophiles will know him from a classic comedy called mm-hmm. Are You Being Served, where he played uh, oh, Mr. Yeah. Rumble. Yes, Juggy Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Old Juggy as they nicknamed him. Uh, but uh, he's um, no stranger to Doctor Who as well, so he's had... Um, he, he yeah, three episodes yeah. in the Dalek Invasion of Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he was, I believe he was like 92, if I remember correctly, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, Yeah, 91, I think. Okay, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so it's unfortunate we we lost everyone from the show that Dave had just mentioned, Are You Being Served? So it's... um, 81, 81. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought he was older. Okay. No, 81 is probably right. I, I think I'm getting confused with someone else that um, 
I saw a, a, a I think, news of I think, pa passing recently. I, th I think it was the actor Captain Peacock that was uh, in his 90s. Yeah, I think he was like... I think yeah, I so, think so. Yeah. And I thought Miss Brahms was still alive, the actress that played her. Yeah, I think she had a bout with... If I remember correctly, I think it was a bout ah, with cancer, yeah. and I, I, unfortunately... Oh, you know what? Can you guys still hear me? Yep. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, um, something's frozen on my system here. So uh, we were just waiting for reality to, or not reality, for time to heal itself. So. All right, so instead of um, stopping the show, because everything's sort of just frozen here on my system right now, I'm going to, um, we'll just continue on. And um, if someone does um, want to join in on the queue, I, I'm not going to be able to uh, to mute or unmute them unless I do uh, do a restart. So um, we'll just go forward and, and hope for the best. Yeah, I only see one other person at the moment. So. Yeah, that's... That's if someone if he chimes. That's Steve, I think. So if he just chimes in a text, just please let me know because I it it's uh, frozen on me. Okay. Um, Lewis, do you have a pulse? Oh, and, I, I'm and gonna. Ch I, I should check. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing. I, I'm, gonna, I'm checking my watch now for my my rate my to see if it's uh, registering. <laughs> if you stay if you stay in audio, you can still drop out of the. Uh, the client and come back in on that as long as you stay no but right now everything's frozen i'm gonna i need to reboot for some reason something something went a, a oh, jar. It's your end. Okay. yeah yeah right so i it's um it's not allowing me to uh to do anything right now all right so um so it's, oh but that means i can't play the clips oh no um I, i've got i i've got the clips all right. Okay. So uh, I'll let you do the insertion of clips. But uh, but as always, before we go forward, spoilers. I can't play the clip. Spoilers. <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> we just have to all say it. Spoilers. 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 We, we need to play the Cloister Wars. Spoilers. <laughs> So if you haven't seen the last two episodes, which is Hell Bent and well, well, going, um, it's Heaven Sent and Heaven Hell Sent and Hell Bent. Um, I, I was doing it sort of backwards there, though. It, it, it's sort of like they, they should, the names should, should might even be like you know sort of reversed if you think of the content. The because um, Heaven I, Sent. I can't keep them straight. No. Yeah, Heaven Sent was more like a more like Hell and um, yeah. Yeah, there's anyway. So, uh, so if you haven't seen the last two episodes of series nine or uh, two, the 2015 series, um, again, consecutively, hell, um, heaven sent or hell bent, or for that matter, um, face the raven, uh, you might want to hold off on listening to this episode any further. Press your pause button, go to your TV or video player, and watch it now. <laughs> That's right. My life is a countdown. If I draw the creature to one extreme of the castle and I run to the other extreme, I can earn myself a maximum of 82 minutes. 82 minutes to eat, sleep, and work. My work is finding room 12. 
The castle wants me to. It's luring me. The numbering is a bit confused. As if the rooms are all jumbled up. Maybe they move around. I saw the whole castle move. When I made the creature stop. Every room, if I leave it long enough, reverts to its condition at the moment I arrive. It tidies up after itself. Automated room service. I think this whole place is inside a closed energy loop. Constantly recycling. Or maybe I'm in hell. That's okay. I'm not scared of hell. It's just heaven for bad people. But how long will I have to be here? Ooh. Okay, I have to ask this question. When you guys were listening to that, did that not sound a lot like Tom Baker? He had a little bit of his depth of uh, resonance in his voice there. Yeah, his you chiming, yeah, his, his, his phrasing, yeah. Yeah, in hindsight, it, it, I can see that. Oh, I can hear that. Mm-hmm. So basically, heaven is just health. Hell is just heaven for bad people, for bad or people. vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> Very glib. So, um, so it opens up with this like poem, if you will. It it, it reads like a poem. Um, you know where, you know. You know we can assume you know that from from that passage that. You know the the shadow that that follows is death, and um, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, that that jumps in not straight at the start. There is the other one where he's saying that's uh, the point where you see the second shadow. Uh, that's the end. It's very philosophical. This and uh, very laden with symbolism. And, uh, and you know and, thing, you, and the way they <laughs> shot the episode, there, there were shadows coming from everywhere. So it had like a specific feel to it where you had the harsh shadows and they were like coming from everywhere. And, you know, it also adds in a layer of of what I was thinking when I was watching it. If we did not live in a society where you have next week trailers and knowing in advance when someone's leaving or coming, if you didn't have all of that and you were just watching it, not knowing anything, you you could sit there and wonder, oh, wow, does this mean... Is it going to regenerate at the end of this episode? Yeah. yeah well, it's interesting because, um, you know, obviously it, it opens, you know, we see. Now, was there opening credits for this? Yes, and Jenna Coleman's name was not in it. Okay. That's right. It just says Peter Capaldi. That's right. All right. Because yeah. I, I wanted to make a note of that. Of that. So, um yeah, so it, I, I, we when when we do um, you know see the doctor materialize, we before we see the doctor, we see this hand disintegrate, and obviously there's the doctor notices there's dust out of the, as he walks out of the chamber. But you know, little did we know at the time, watching it for the first time, you know whose hand that was and what dust that was, and that we were like getting into the story not at the very beginning, but. Yes. place in one of the iterative loops that eventually we find out that the story was 
Exactly. It was great. It was great that because it, it it made him when he's sort of talking aloud um, think that you know other other people had been held prisoners there and not been able to escape and died. So it it, it covered up that revelation that we were going to have later uh, uh, about the the fact that um, he's he's repacing and re re going through this puzzle as it were. Um, repeatedly and repeatedly, because um, uh, we also have uh, this um, rather unusual idea that um, a little bit, I thought, I don't know about you guys, thought a little bit of the the Sherlock idea of the Mind Palace, where, um, for instance, when he he tries to uh, break through the window with the chair and then jump, you weren't expecting that. Uh, He he then suddenly bursts into the TARDIS, which he calls his storm room, which is, uh, to my mind, you know, um, and of course, when I say all this, we we know that uh, Stephen Moffat uh, is involved in uh, Sherlock as well, so um, it's a very similar theme, isn't it, this um, this storm room that he has. Yeah, where he, where he does his brainstorming, if you will. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, the faster he thinks, the slower time will go. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, since you mentioned Stephen Moffat, we should make a mention that this was the story was uh, written by Stephen Moffat, and the uh, episode was directed by Rachel Talalay. Uh, ta- uh, Talalay, yeah, very excellently too. Yes, 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 gorgeous work, gorgeous. And as we said, was- Peter Capaldi uh, stars as the Doctor, and he pretty much uh, carries this whole episode himself. You know, it's uh, yeah. incredible work um, by Peter Capaldi. Between him and the visuals, this was yeah. a fantastic piece of art. Absolutely. This was the the, the second uh, experimental, so to speak, uh, episode that they did this year, where for some people, Sleep No More kind of mm-hmm. fell flat for them. Mm-hmm. But this one just had, they fired on all cylinders and they got this thing right to where most of the audience loved it and it was something that was new and not done on uh, the TV show before. Yeah, I found hey, out Lee, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Lee, I'm No, no, no. Uh, I was curious to hear from Lee on what he thought from his background mm-hmm. in writing and uh, being on stage for this basically being a one-man show curious to hear your input. Uh, Well, I was just thinking about the fact that we've had a lot of direct address to the audience um, this season. We've we've talked about that a little bit before, that it's unusual for the doctor to break the fourth wall and really talk to to narrate his own actions. But we have been setting it up all this year, uh, the the bootstrap paradox and things like that. So... um, and I, I assume that was now we can now see that was deliberate. Well, we're we're moving up to this moment where he's going to tell us every thought that passes through his mind uh, for four and a half billion years. And I, it's um, it, it is it, it, it's just as Terrace was saying. That's that's very um, that's daring. That's um, that, that's a challenge. And, for, and and when you take a look at some of the images that they had with the uh, water filled with. Skulls, and then later you come to realize that those are all the doctor's skulls. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's very poetic, and it, and it makes it easy to forgive the fact that some of the logic doesn't follow all the way through. I mean, well, why on earth is, if you're being disintegrated, why would only your skull be left behind? Or or if the Ooh, whole place reads yeah. that, as he says, then why is he able to leave himself a message? It It should be... He should be literally starting over with nothing every time, so he'd never get anywhere. But you know, it's poetic. We're not. I, I, at the end of the day, I don't care that that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, well, um, also along those same lines, if if all the rooms reset themselves, shouldn't room twelve reset themselves? And whatever he rubbed absolutely. away on that that diamond wall should be back to where it was. Right. He, he'd never get out. Yeah, well, there, there were a few things to change that. I mean, first of all, the electrodes were attached to the skull, so presumably that was the conduit. Uh, so that that may be what preserved that. He also he also made sure that he took the skull out at a certain point where he goes up the stairs and puts them on the parapet, uh, conveniently for them to fall. And also we we see him rewriting the word bird each time uh, as his final clue, although it's a little bit... Uh, of an ambiguous one, how that would remind him of this particular bird that, uh, or this story from the Alpine, uh, from his childhood that uh, talked about this uh, bird that pecked. But it, it was marvellous, and I think you, you're right, Taras. The um, not only do we not, you know, it's not as though he'd had a, a half a dozen alliterations of this. The very first time we see under the water, there must be already a hundred thousand skull. Uh, yeah, skulls. right. So. Um, we don't know how long each of these little passages takes. We heard that um, he, he can go eight and a half hours from the furthest point, uh, the two furthest well, points. Was it 82 minutes, minutes or something? 82 yeah, minutes, 82, right, 82 minutes, minutes, sorry, 82 minutes. But that doesn't mean that he only lives 82 minutes. Yeah. Uh, may evade, he must sleep and, and so on and so forth. Uh, the only other thing I think that in the logic that may be... Uh, Lee was alluding to there was the um, you know, where does the first suit come from because we know after that he takes off a wet suit and puts on the dry suit but we don't know what happened with the very first uh, alliteration uh, that left his wet suit presumably uh, he traipsed about in the all together as it were but um, I thought it was excellently done uh, by the way um, uh, Carefully Castle was used again for part of uh, Further scenes, uh, especially that great big uh, baronial hall that they went through, uh, and um, I was talking with Ian, uh, who joins us quite often on Podshock, and um, he was wondering how they'd managed to get permission to attach things to the the castle wall. But if you notice, all those screens were like freestanding away from the walls. They weren't. There was nothing actually attached, but um, it was really it was really well done and, and quite eerie and quite frightening in places. Yeah, it's an incredible location. Um, as Taras has already implied, the visuals were stunning. Um, the, it was shot very well. The lighting was really captured the the essence of what they were trying to convey. Um, so I, yeah, it conveyed like a weird mood, which mm -hmm. was perfect for well, for the subject matter. It read at, you know as a nightmare. It felt very much like a dream night, right. like a nightmare sequence. You know, with right. and then you know. Is seeing shattering like when from the very get go, you know when when he realizes when he first sees the the creature or whatever that that, that but the the death that was stalking him, you know going across, you know through another window, you know across the this castle like structure and then how you know and then seeing how it turned and reset itself, 
you know, a lot of things that wouldn't make sense in reality make sense when you're dreaming it, you know, and you just accept it in, in the dreams. And those flies. Oh, I'm annoying with those flies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got the flies bubble thing. Um, so let me ask this. Uh, considering the fact that the confession dial is something that the Time Lords created, to, as we find out in the second episode, to get information, my question now is, did really um, four billion years or however many billion years actually happen when we want to say how old the doctor is, or was that all just a but, side reality? But so it was it was constantly being he was constantly being reborn, if you will, or regenerated from the data that right. was in the tele. <laughs> so he didn't he he only aged whatever time that that one cycle was really because then it kept on. Ah, good point. Because it was coming back from the copy in the teleport. Right. Exactly. Ah, good point. It, it, it was exactly that task, wasn't it? It, it, it wasn't, he didn't have 100,000 copies of himself. Each time he was going back to the original copy that was ah, in point. the machine. Yes. So it, it wasn't as though he was, you know, 200 alliterations on or 200,000 alliterations on. Each time he, he used his last of his energy... Uh, to to restart the machine as it was, we were back to the first doctor who arrived there, uh, uh, the original doctor that arrived. So he's only one, he's only one away from the original. And since it was a digital copy, uh, we can assume it's still the same doctor. I think. Good point. Good point. Well, there's the whole philosophical argument ah. about teleporters, whether yeah, you're the same person or not. Yeah. So right. we'll, we'll just avoid that for now. There was an interesting <laughs> uh, Outer Limits episode that explored that, where um, it was one of the newer Outer Limits episodes that they did, where um, I, I don't remember the name of it, but it dealt with teleportations and uh, where an exact duplicate was made of you somewhere else, but you had the, the 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 machine would then destroy the original of you because you couldn't have two U's. You know they they couldn't you couldn't they they couldn't have two copies of 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 the person, so they had to destroy the original, and then the the copies now the original. But then um, I I I don't remember the details of the episode, but there was a quandary whether whether or not um, someone had the machine wasn't working or, and someone else had to f physically kill the, the, the original because the copy existed and then this you know that that's how the story unfolded but that's for another Star podcast Trek also ha Star Trek also had a thing with the transporter accident mm. where I'm Captain Kirk <laughs> but that that brings to light one of the logical issues with the uh, this episode where does the doctor only have the conscious memory of one iteration, the last one, or does he remember all four billion of that? That's what I was uh, thinking, yeah. I so that's, only... that's like the, the hole in this because we're, we're, we're led to believe that the doctor is now gone through this four billion year ordeal and does he only remember the last iteration, or does he remember all the iterations in that four and a half billion years that they estimate well, that he was in the confession dial? I, I mean, I have to assume since he, he gets... Until, well, I, mean, I was just going to say, I have to assume ahead. since he gets renewed, he doesn't know... I mean, he has to figure it out each time, so he doesn't remember yeah, you know. What, you know, what, what, 
before him, you know, his, his early so, so experiences. So does he only intellectually realize that he's been in there for a long time? Yeah, he knows, yeah. but he hasn't yeah. experienced it. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. And, 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 and if you look at the very uh, last time when he actually broke through, in that last five minutes, you see that final scene over and over, and each time before he finally breaks through, you hear him say more parts of that conversation. So I think he's only got one complete recount, even though he knows that it happened 4.5. He's got that one complete recount or recollection. He hasn't got the real world weariness of having physically lived through them all, but he can intellectually infer uh, from all that they trapped him for for that period of time Mm -hmm. to find out about the hybrid, which will get us now to another topic. I mean, for all we know, as well in the in the very uh, you know the first fifty thousand goes, he may have only lasted a few minutes. Um, uh, you know, he, he may not have lasted. It, it may have been some time. Indeed, as we see all those skulls already there, it, the, the one where we see that he works out that he needs, he can last those 80-odd minutes. You know, it may have taken him so many alliterations to do that. I think, by the way, that that painting of Clarence in the room, I think it's an earlier version of himself that that painted that, that was probably less, hadn't worked out as much. Mm-hmm. Of, of what that. was going on. That's what my assumption was, too, as well. Yeah. Uh, in the chat, Price Pudding Brain says, I don't think he remembers each one, but he's outraged on principle. Uh, I think that's a good way mm-hmm. of putting it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and there was a secondary objective as well, because they say later, didn't they, that he could have got himself out of there, and he could have hit the, the stop button at any time uh, in some way. But But he then had... Uh, he must have along the way had this idea that if he could get to the distant future where Gallifrey was, then he would get the technology that would be able to allow him to uh, intervene in Clara's uh, meeting with the Raven. So um, his his strategy must have changed during the course of that. And um, again, just going back to the visuals, I mean, we saw some lovely things with the, the, the castle movements. It depends on whether you're a Game of Thrones fan or a Harry Potter fan as to which of those moving castles you uh, you thought were right. best.
Personally, I think that's a hell of a bird. And I think, although you hear him saying, you know, the, the passage of time there, you think, oh, well, perhaps he does remember it. But I think he was marking the time by knowing the quality of that crystal that he was knocking through. He could infer how long it was to take him, you know, almost like a candle melting or something else. But I must admit, I, uh, I wondered why he hadn't uh, used his sonic glasses, uh, because cause this is a crystal lattice, Anybody who uh, watches the Crystal Entity from Star Trek, I wonder why he didn't try and get some harmonic resonance going in it, and 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 try there because it was much more physical the way he was doing it, battering it did, with his hand. Did he even have anything that wasn't in that uh, confession dial? Because he was sent there without his TARDIS. Well, he used the, he, he, he used it once to see to to figure out what that crystal was. He put it on the sonic glasses okay. that, that one time. Okay, and I, I was forgot that bit. That he, yeah, I, I was surprised to see that he had them. Yeah, he same here. Yeah. Oh, though that's going to change everything, isn't it? But of course, the whole thing was probably a construct. I mean, there wasn't was was there a physical? I mean, a little bit like we had that. Um, the story where um, we thought Clara got infected with the, um, um, you know, the, the 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 ghost one, and actual, um, and it turned out it was um, it was actually um, a number that was transmitted in a message, uh, and all the physical things that were seen were really just a story, because uh, the man's telling us not to watch, and in that watching there was this, a, a digital signal transmitted. Uh, so in this, I mean, although yeah. all these constructs were about him, in theory, I mean, w it, we assume that it's a non-physical... It, yeah, that's, I mean, I thought the same thing. I mean, it could be just like the Matrix itself, you know, where it's just all happening in his head and it didn't really, you know, physically happen to him. I mean, he thinks it's real, but it, maybe it's it's because it's, it's all taking place in this little cylinder thing and it, it could just all be... Um, you know, it's what he's imagining, but it, it's just, you know, but it, it's real to him. Yeah, and we had a well, good use well, use of the, um, sorry, um, we had a good use of the, the chalkboard here in this. We've, we've had it used before, was mm -hmm. it in the Listen episode? It was and in here, Listen. Thank yes. you, Tosh, yeah. So here it, it made more sense, and uh, I, I love the little sort of uh, thing where we, we got Clara's hand just come out of nowhere and just stroke him, and I thought, oh, that's lovely. That's just yeah. a lovely but moment. We see the back uh, of her at one point, too. Yeah, like, yeah. Uh, and I thought that was all we were going to ever get, especially with not being in the credits. Yeah, I think that was, that was done very well. So, I, so are we ready to move into Hellbent? Well, let me just play the final clip from this because this will, you might want to just say what you thought when you, you realised where he came out. So let me just play this, Lewis. Go to the city. Find somebody important. Tell them I'm back. Tell them I know what they did. And I'm on my way. And if they ask you who I am, tell them I came the long way around.
you can probably still hear me. So just between ourselves, you got the prophecy wrong. The hybrid is not half Dalek. Nothing is half Dalek. The Daleks would never allow that. The hybrid destined to conquer Gallifrey and stand in its ruins. Of course, the uh, the name of a shield is me. So, did he mean me, or did he mean me? When I was discussing this after the episode aired, the thought that came to my mind is that this is Stephen Moffat tweaking the the people that really did not like the fact that in the '96 movie you had the mention that the Doctor was half human. And he tweaks them by pulling up that question about that. And at the mm-hmm. very end, we find out that, yes, it's all of those or none of those yeah. or any one of those. Yeah. And it doesn't really matter for the story. It, it doesn't. And no. you never really get a clear answer. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it was, it was handled well. Weak people. Because it, yes. it, it invoked it, the question again, and they said, oh, well, this is how he's going to weave it into the story now and make, you know, make this um, what we pretty much was assuming was like a non-canon thing, make it canon or whatever. But in in the end, which we'll get to in the next episode, it's it it, it could be or couldn't be, you know, it, it's not exactly resolved. So um, and I, I like that. It wasn't, you know. I, I like the fact that it's still a, a question mark there, but it's a, it's still, it's a, you know. But there, there are strings there to attach if we need to attach them. But I, I thought, yes. having sent, um, just you know, before we move on, I, I um, like I said, I always, you know, sometimes my opinion of an episode changes as I, you know, if I watch it the second time as opposed to the first time, um, and I, you know. You know, watching it for the first time, I, I thought I still thought it was very interesting and, and intriguing. But I think somewhere like halfway through it, I was just it was getting a little. Um, I don't want to say tiring, in it, and not in a negative way, but just getting. Well, you getting it's a little. I was getting a little anxious to find out, you know, because it just seemed to be going on and on, and we weren't finding out where, you know. Because it was this whole mystery, you know, what's behind all this and, you know, and where it was going. So um, I felt myself a little restless, I guess, is a better way to, uh, to describe it halfway through it. The first time watching it. But the uh, second time watching it, I, you know, since that anticipation wasn't there anymore, because I already know how it's going to conclude and all that. I was able to really enjoy it and appreciate it much further or on a, on a greater level because I wasn't getting re- restless. Um, uh, for, for the work of art that it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I, I also thought, you know, it was a story about loss and the doctor dealing with loss, you know, dealing with the loss of Clara or, and, you know, and the story could be about anyone's dealing with loss, you know, and, and having to move on. There's a, you know. A, oh, a, no, 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 he was he wasn't moving on. He was. Well, he was refusing to. Well, that's the whole right. thing. But, Cla- but Clara was urging him in in those uh, passages with um, you know th- there was one passage there where where she speaks to him saying that you know when when, you, when she actually when she she actually does speak you know and she talks that you know you 
you have to move on, you know, and uh, and, and not live in the darkness. I, I'm I'm paraphrasing here. Uh, I, I unfortunately I don't have the clip to play, but it's um it's pretty. You know, I think it's it touched on the point of anyone that that has suffered loss in their lives, and sometimes it's hard to let go, or, or sometimes it just haunts the 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 absence of those people. Sometimes, um, uh, uh, you know, leaves leaves holes in your lives, and sometimes you get stuck in those holes. And, and speaking of getting stuck in holes, if we we look at the last, let's say, three major companions that the doctor has had if we include River Song in that mm-hmm. River Song Amy Pond and uh, Clara Oswald they all quote die but it's a cheat where you had River Song being uh, trapped in the library computer you had uh, Amy sent back in time and now Clara kind of whisked away from right before the moment of her death. And it's like each one of those is kind of a cheat, and it kind of uh, well, it hasn't feels happened weird. Yet this, it hasn't happened yet in this episode, has it? In episode 11, that, that has not yet come to pass. It's because one of these things to get to Gallifrey was cut so he can use this intervention. So... That, that that hasn't yet happened in episode 11. Hmm. Well, I'm just talking about in general, the, oh, right. the stories of each of these three companions, the ending is sort of like a cheat of death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, as far as the doctor's concerned, the character's dead, but not really. I, I'm finding that disappointing. I, I really... As exciting as so much of um, Hellbent was in in the what's going to happen to Clara sense, I really had already liked the idea of her facing her death so bravely and him having to cope with that. For a yes, and, and that's why I used the term it was a cheat because yeah. it, it it like totally undoes the. Uh, the bravery of her facing that moment because she gets pulled away right before that and doesn't really get to it. That doesn't undermine her bravery one bit. She went in there with full knowledge that that was the end. um, Well, that's true. It doesn't change that. No, but as far as for the audience, that's what I'm referring to. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of cheapens... We, the we, finality of death. Right. We we had this conversation I, before I, I, with I, with Osgood, you know, and with Osgood, yes. <laughs> you know, we had this conversation earlier you know, with Osgood, and you know, it doesn't seem like Stephen Moffat wants yeah. to have any of his characters actually. You know, we go back to Rory. You know, we we can't. Have, uh-huh. It doesn't seem like Stephen Moffat wants to have any of his characters actually. You know, have a finale where they they die, and and it's, you know, with maybe the exception of well, even he came back. Um, um, pink um, and uh, pink multiple times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you know who we need as a showrunner? Joss Whedon. <laughs> <laughs> um, should I try move us on to the first clip for yes. episode twelve? Here we go. Hi. What can I get you? I don't have any money. But I play. 
plug that thing in? Yeah. You're English. You're not. How did you get out of here? Magic. Or maybe I went to an airport and caught a plane. You? Magic. I believe you. You've been traveling? Yeah, from time to time. Is it a sad song? Nothing sad till it's over. Then everything is. What's it called? Tell me about her. Yeah. I, I thought it was very interesting because uh, at least I was led to believe, you know, watching it the first time that it was, uh, you know, it was the reverse that, you know, Clara didn't yeah. know who she was and and the doctor, you know, was uh, probing there, you know, and, and it was actually the reverse. That, that, that was very well done in that you really can't tell what is what when you're looking at it objectively and then finally when you see the last scenes then you know what happened in those Mm -hmm. earlier yeah exactly and uh, because you can't see text lewis um uh, Price Pudding Brain, Steve has put that uh, oh, it's easily the best alliteration of Clara's theme, uh, which I think was lovely. And of course, Peter Capaldi playing him, played in it himself and uh, makes good use of that. Um, but again, it's it's the, the idea Stephen Moffat has, isn't it, of, you know, you throw surprises in. So I didn't expect the episode to start like that. I hadn't been spoiled. I didn't know Clara was coming back. Um, uh, so I was uh, a lower, I, I take on board not necessarily agreeing with Taris, uh, Taris on that, but I uh, take on board the, 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 the possible change in the dynamics with this. I, I was very, very happy to see her, even though I'm one of the people that also thought that Rose came back too many times uh, and other things. But um, to me, uh, Jenna Coleman has been pitch perfect in her acting all the way through. Uh, well, actually, she's grown in stature as an actress, so... Uh, perhaps that's a better way of putting it. But to me, this was wonderful. Um, and, of course... Um, well, she is the impossible girl, and now she's really the impossible girl. <laughs> because we have her with a shoulder where she's basically... You, you could probably refer to her almost as a revenant, where she has no pulse or anything. And she's just waiting for that last tick of the clock where her time is over. But she, with the TARDIS and with me, have an infinite possibility of adventure between that point and when she finally gets to Gallifrey to uh, meet her destiny. The long way around, yeah. Yes. So that... 
was a clever piece of storytelling, though in the end result, I think it was kind of a cheat of the finality of her death. Wait, you were going to say something? I think that was Kyle, actually. Oh, no? oh right. No, no, no. No, I don't have anything. <laughs> have we have we heard the joke made before? Uh, have you been traveling? Yes, from time to time. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, that, that was great. Yeah. It's a wonderful line. I just thought, wow, has nobody, has no writer for this show ever had him say that before? <laughs> uh, 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 and then we have a slight switch. We we talked about uh, again. Uh, the last episode was fifty five minutes long, and I think uh, Lewis that could have just been a standard length episode. I don't almost think that needed the the extra minutes. Where well, we're here again on this final episode, we're up to sixty minutes for this one, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which has rather. But in direct contrast, um, the, there's quite a long time before the Doctor speaks. Apart from that little opening uh, prologue, as you might want to call it. Uh, when he when he's uh, you know in the barn or eating mm-hmm. soup or whatever, yeah. oh, I will just say one thing that was commented about, uh, and I think it was Darth who often comes on Podshot. He was saying that um, they were clever with the um, the amount of uh, dialogue that uh, the Doc had in the last episode because a lot of it he did as voiceover, so he wasn't having to to say it all um, you know word for word as he was acting. There were quite a bit of it where it was the voiceover. He did his own voiceover, which which probably took some of the strain uh, for the actual, I don't know how many pages of dialogue that he, he went through, but he may have simplified that. But here we have, um, you know, he's the strong, silent type, isn't he? You know, drawing a line in the sand. And, uh, and uh, as each uh, person is sent to demand his presence... He's, he stands his ground because he needs the uh, Barusa to come. Barusa, and, and what was that? I think Taras has probably picked up on this. He does say Barusa resurrected, doesn't he? It was uh, Rassilon, and it's Rassilon, Rassilon the Redeemer. Why did you say Barusa? Yep. Oh, well, they are. I got both things wrong there, yeah. Why did you say Barusa? Rass, yeah, Rassilon, sorry. Yeah, you threw me off there. Uh, but you, it, you're probably thinking... Back to the uh, the five doctors, where you had Barusa trying to outwit Rastalon, and Rastalon gets the uh, ah, the last. Okay. He uh, who wins joke. loses, and he who loses wins, or something. Yeah, right, right. But it, but he does say resurrected in here. The Redeemer, Rastalon, the Redeemer. And the resurrected, he said. So this isn't the Rassilon from the the, the original Rassilon. This is uh, right. He's just, he's pretty much just taken on the name. No, it's been. We I assume that I, I uh, Alaphrase brought him back to life. I suspect it's like they did with the Master. They brought him back for the Time War, and this is just after okay. the Doctor wins right. the Time War. You, you have this Rassilon, I guess, regenerated, and then. Uh, you have the redeemer, so to speak. I see. Because I, 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 I wasn't sure if that was the if that was the case or not, or it was sort of like you know the Pope takes yeah. on different names once the taken on the position. Um, yeah, we should just make a note before we go further. This is also written by Stephen Moffat and also directed by the same director, Richard um, uh, Rachel. I'm sorry, Richard uh, Talalay. Um, continuing from um, the last episode. And as um, Dave said, it uh, runs an hour length there. 
And and uh, Jenner is back in the opening credits. That's right. Fake. Psych. <laughs> Let me play another clip to get us yes, more into the story. If you wanted to know about the hybrid, why didn't you just ask me? If the hybrid is a threat to the people of this world, why don't you just tell us? What do you know already? The hybrid is a legendary No. Thing. The hybrid is a creature thought to be crossbred from two warrior races. Which races? The Daleks and the Time Lords, it is supposed. Oh, must be well hard then. Unstoppable, according to the stories. If they're just stories, why are you so worried? Some Matrix prophecies suggest... No. Many prophecies suggest... No. Matrix prophecies concur that this creature will one day stand in the ruins of Gallifrey. It will unravel the web of time and destroy a billion, billion hearts to heal its own. What color is it? I don't know. Prophecies, but never tell you anything useful, do they? This is no time to play the fool. It's the end of the universe. It's the only time I've got. And you want me to keep you all safe? Can you? I'll need help, obviously. Gallifrey is at your command. I'm not familiar with No, you cramped my style. Look at your hats. I'm going to need the use of an extraction chamber to talk to an old friend. And uh, that's why he's gone the long way around. Mm-hmm. So breaking a billion hearts to heal his own, were those his own hearts that he broke in the previous episode a billion be, times until he... Considering there's two hearts in each, in each form. <laughs> and the prophecy does come true in as much as the hybrid is there, but not, not necessarily causing the demise of Gallifrey, but... Um, uh, your Shildra, what she's called, um, uh, me, is there well, at the end? Well, actually, all three theories for what the hybrid is are there standing basically in the ruins of Gallifrey. They've gone beyond right. Gallifrey to where just me is. Right. And the three different theories were me is the hybrid, the doctor is the hybrid, or the hybrid is the doctor and his companion, in this case, Clara. And they were all three there. So either any one of them, based on what perspective you're coming from as a viewer, you can pick any one of them to be your answer to that. Yeah, I would agree. So this was cleverly woven by Stephen Moffat and the crew that worked on this to to make this where it fits throughout the whole narrative of this story that it could be any one of them, all of them, or even none of them. Yeah, exactly. And the first two-parter this season had briefly uh, Daleks being infused with Time Lord stuff. Right. So, the, the, the whole uh, series, if we were doing a series review, was basically 
discussing hybrids and that yeah. this whole thing was leading to these episodes where the whole point is the hybrid. What is the hybrid? And either yeah. we know or we don't know what the hybrid is. It certainly drives the storyline, but whether in, in, in at the end, actually, it, it's almost, as you say, irrelevant, which it is, because it just basically drives the storyline. Um, I'm not saying it's a MacGuffin or anything, but it's it, it, it's not relevant in a way. It, it, it helps bring about the situation. Um, well, basically, uh, much... that is the MacGuffin, where it, right. it's immaterial to the end of the story. Right, right. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I think you're right there. In fact, I know. Uh, I'll just play a clip again because this covers that little bit, I think. And mm -hmm. then uh, I don't know whether we've lost Kyle on audio. We did know that he was worried about his voice, but perhaps he can come in after this. I'm human with a little bit of Maya inside me. The hybrid is supposed to be half time lord, half Dalek. No, it isn't. The actual prophecy specifies only two warrior races: the Daleks and the Time Lords. Made assumptions, of course. Humans and the Maya, both warrior races, fits perfectly. It's an interesting theory. Do you have a better one? By your own reasoning, why couldn't the hybrid be half Time Lord, half human? Tell me, Doctor, I've always wondered, you're a Time Lord, you're a high-born Gallifreyan. Why is it you spend so much time on Earth? That's your best theory. I'm the hybrid. I'd run away from Gallifrey because I was afraid of myself. It doesn't make any sense. It makes perfect sense, and you know it. Am I right? Is it true? It doesn't matter. No. Because I have the best theory. Really? What if the hybrid wasn't one person, but two? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want. The, I didn't want the Doctor to be the hybrid. I certainly didn't want him to be going back to the Eighth Doctor half human thing, and um, uh, I certainly didn't want it to be the reason why he left Gallifrey. Uh, I, I prefer the fact that he, he just thought that the on Gallifrey things were stagnating and the, they had all this power, but they were sitting by and letting all these things happen in the universe, and uh, and he left. He left for that reason. Um, I much prefer that view of uh, of the Doctor. Well, I'm just glad well, there was no definitive answer. I, I just like the fact that it no, was it was brought up, yeah. it, and you know the possibilities yeah. there, and you know the, it could raise the debate. But it, it's um, you know, but that's the whole thing. But it's, I mean, that's one of the things that attracts me to Doctor Who is that, that we don't know everything about him, and I mean, it, it really it should be you know Doctor Who question mark. You know, I and I know I'm not going to get into the whole question mark mm -hmm. thing, but you know, it's it's I mean, it's a question really. You know, who is who is the main character, and you got to keep him mysterious. And not you know answer all the questions, but um, it's good to pro you know to to uh, you know propose certain possibilities. So getting back to the character of the Doctor, one of the things that potentially was revealed here is what the Doctor did right before he stole the TARDIS, and that was sort of being driven mad by. Mm -hmm being inside the cloister 
basically the Matrix and then finding his way out. And then he went off and uh, stole the TARDIS, according to what the uh, episode kind of leads you to believe. And it kind of alludes to him thinking that he was a little mad at that point. And it also kind of explains the... uh, the character anomaly of the doctor that you had in the first doctor until he finally learned how to trust his companion. Where you had. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, they, they had a slight retelling of the Sisterhood of Khan in here because um, she seemed to be uh, no more uh, about uh, the fact that only once before had somebody known of this this secret way out through. The, the the matrix and uh, uh, I mean I don't know for you but when it was clearly defined why the sister I mean were they there seeking refuge had they were they refugees from the time war themselves is that why they were there at Gallifrey well um, you, you have to remember that at the end of time you will have the immortals are the ones that are going to be getting together the sisterhood were the immortals due to the right. elixir the Time Lords, due to them right. using the Elixir to do the regenerations, they became their own version of Immortals. You have a Shilder, who's the Immortal. The only Immortal that's missing here is Captain Jack, Face of Bo. Right. And, and Missy, right. perhaps. Well, Missy, well, you can label as one of the Time Lords, yeah. but what she's doing, she had her hand in the confession dial, but as far as the end game, I don't think that really mattered to Missy as much as other than just to create chaos. And we did get a mention of the Master in, in this finale. Yeah. But he brought Clara to, introduced Clara to the Doctor in a way. Uh, I think right. it was at the Bells of St. John where where the 11th Doctor gets the phone call and it's, right. uh, it's Clara thinking and, she's... And, and, it's, and it's also mentioned in the episode by, I think, uh, the Shilder yeah. Yeah. mentioned mm-hmm. that. So, so right. you've got all of this stuff has been interwoven. So it's like the show is like referencing itself quite a bit. And, and we f- finally see a regeneration where um, go from male to female in, in the regeneration process, which seems like something that, that uh, Stephen Moffat's been wanting to do for some time. Well, not only changing gender, the perceived gender, but also the perceived race as well of mm-hmm. the uh, yeah. the person. And, in fact, and, and kind of playing with it by... Uh, having the subordinate refer with the incorrect pronoun. Yeah. Yeah. So. And actually referred to the fact that she, yeah, she referred to the fact that that was her only time as a male one. She'd mostly, mostly. She made some sort of comment about ego, about the male ego. But there again, we've got this this thing, this, um, I mean, we do have a, a very hint of the Dr. Victorious again, don't we, where, um, you know, he, he says to Clara, you know, Clara says four and a half, when she finds out he's done four and a half billion years, although she doesn't know how that has weighed upon him, whether it's been literally that time, she confesses that he should have given up on her and um, 
we also have um, the fact that he's willing to shoot uh, another Gallifrey, and even though he knows, he does ask him first, you know, yeah. how many regenerations. I know, I thought that was great. <laughs> but still, that's never a guarantee that the person will survive, and also, no. it's like, that that's just cruel to to subject yeah. somebody to that. Yeah. That that just shows you the, the length to which the doctor would go in this situation and also how far he was pushed by the Time Lords to be in this position. But it also, as well, is why when when he and Clara... Uh, and, and, and this was the great thing about Clara, I thought, was the fact that, um, you know, uh, she didn't want the doctor to undo her death. Um what she riled against was the fact that uh, to save her, he was willing to wipe her memory so she could, so there wouldn't be repercussions. She could survive, but without memory. Now we know how that ended for Donna, and and what a shame all the growth that Donna had had, uh, and then to have lost her memory. Uh, that 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 some people believe was worse than death for her. I mean, she was back to being a ch- attempt from Chiswick and all her, all her growth, all her in, uh, things she'd done were taken away from her. And Clara stood her ground here. No, uh, these were the best years of her life. She, she would rather die than give up who she had been, uh, which I thought was, uh, was lovely. And therefore, when, like we alluded to that first scene in the diner, uh, and we don't know at that point you know, who's lost the memory of whom, uh, the Doctor realises that it's just that he's the one that um, has the price to pay because he realised yet again he's overstepped the mark. He makes that uh, reference, and w- obviously we're not playing all these clips, but he, he makes the reference to the fact that, you know, um, uh, there's, there's nobody to arbitrate above him. We're at the end of time. He is the, the, the only decision. Mm-hmm. He's the, the decider. But um, if I may, let me just play this last clip because, again, I know you we, we can't play bits. Uh, I've still not heard from Kyle. Hopefully he's uh, there somewhere, perhaps uh, still recovering. I don't think I've got the communion circuit working. You have to sound like a stuck at an American diner. Awesome. Still no pulse. Time isn't healing. I'm still frozen. You know what that means? It means my death is a fixed event in the universe. Depends on it happening. I'm sorry. Why? Why does everybody think I am so scared? We all face the raving in the end. That is the deal. If I go back to Gallifrey, they can put me back, right? On Trap Street, the moment they took me out. Of course. Mind you. Seeing as I'm not actually aging, there's still a tiny little bit of wiggle room, isn't there? certainly has become Doctor-like. She's doing a little bit like the 10th Doctor when he gave up his life for Wilf uh, and got that radiation poisoning and then went on a grand tour. Plus, you have the nice counterpoints between 
the doctor at the beginning of the episode came the long way around to get to Gallifrey, and now Clara is going to go back to her death, mm-hmm. taking the long way around to get back. So it's kind of like the two bookends to this episode. And Dave, it's funny that you mentioned you, you, the thing with the tenth doctor and his long death, if you will, his long regeneration process. Because uh, I was reminded of that, you know, uh, in the last episode, you know, with he- Heaven Sent, with the doctor saying that, you know, it's explaining when Time Lords die, it's a long process, you know, because the body constantly tries to regenerate, even if it can't, and it's, you know, they usually do it with their own kind, and so they make sure they're not, they don't bury them prematurely, so, but it made me think of, of that regeneration scene where the doctor got, was, um, you know, took the, took the grand tour while he was, in a sense, dying. Right, right, right. Yeah, and, and again, there you, you you do hear that Clara, you know, she's she she's been given uh, sort of time out, uh, and the temptation. And by the way, uh, whatever happens, um, and I know some people say, well, she's she's now become the doctor. She's got her own time and so on. Whatever happens with that, I hope it's not shown on TV. I, uh, Big Finish Adventures, fine. Um, books, fine. Comics, comic serial, fine. But I don't think that should be part and parcel of any spin-off, because that's too I, I think, I think that's what uh, Stephen Moffat has said, that that's not going to be seen on TV. But oh, you never know what will happen when television execs get <laughs> an idea. It's like we were going to get Rose Tyler Earth Defense at one point mm-hmm. until that was uh, mooted. So you never know what's going to happen. We do have we do have a uh, a spinoff on uh, Cole Hill School. So you never know what's going to happen. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. And you never know; they could be. It sort of could be a, a River Song thing where we may just bump into our, you know, perhaps bump into both of them from from time to time, or. Um, or, or what's her face, Matt, Madam? Um, um, uh, I forgot her name now. It begins with a V. Vastra. Vastra, yeah. Vastra. And Jenny. Right. And Strax. Mm-hmm. So it, it could be that type of thing where we may bump into them from time to time, you know. But I, I don't foresee another series or anything like that. But you never know. Like Tara yeah, says, you never know. <laughs> That's pretty Plus, the character of Clara Oswald is throughout the whole Doctor's timeline. So yes, indeed. She's yeah. there. She's the hand that held the cushion for Sutek. She's everywhere in his timeline. Right. Mm. Uh, and the one brilliant thing about that is, um, well, I think it's brilliant anyway, the fact that um, because there's so many splinters of her, some of those will have died uh, uh, saving the Doctor at some point. Uh, some of them... You know, We've seen uh, two of them. Cla- yeah, indeed. Yes. But the point is, some may live a long and full life. So, Clara, uh, when the actress herself is in her 40s or 50s, she could still come back because one of her alliterations could have been alive, you know, in the oh, 1920s yeah. mm-hmm. and lived until she was in her well, you know, 80s. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wanted to read from the text as well here. Uh, Price Brilliant Radio's put um, Well, I was wrong about the context and her travelling companion... But I did predict me in a stolen TARDIS 
an episode episode or two ago. Oh, really? Thanks, oh. Steve. Still got it, yeah. It was great seeing what the classic video? interior of the TARDIS there. Uh, once again, uh, yeah. old-school TARDIS. It was, uh, you know, a nice touch there. I assume yes, they uh, saved uh, that from Adventure in Space and Time, so... I'm kind of hoping that what this will now lead to is more diverse stories that don't involve the fate of the whole universe or all of time. Mm, And it's just the fate of a small number of people that the doctor helps out. Because you keep raising the bar. There's only so far you can go without distorting our understandings of uh, space and time from a scientific standpoint. And though it may be fun to see the Doctor affecting the whole universe, it gets old after a yeah, while. Yeah, I, I absolutely while, agree. The, I, I mean, I've been saying this for a while. The stories are more interesting. Oh, yeah. 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 Agree, agree. Yeah. And... Um, we do see a new sonic screwdriver that at the, at the end there. This is something that we were leading up to see. You know, um, you know, most of the, a lot of people that were um, not so pleased with the sonic glasses or sunglasses or shades or whatever they're called. But um, but we do uh, see the doctor return to the tar- his TARDIS, the proper TARDIS, and uh, I, I you know thought it was a nice touch seeing the, um, the it dematerialize and. The markings on the outside, you know, fall off as we've seen before, and um, you know, and now he has a his own sonic screwdriver, not something that's um, left over from the eleventh Doctor. Well, he left his glasses on the counter. Of yeah, the diner, he still had ha- the the other TARDIS. Yeah, I, I, oh, I, he did. He did the leave them there. Oh. I didn't realize he left them there. No, he, I know he put he, them down he, on the counter. He was. He was. It was using them to 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 connect to the radio, mm-hmm. so to be the acoustic connection yeah, to, to, for but the guitar. Uh, he, so yeah, like Lee says, Clara could have those now. Hmm. Yeah, the, I think the glasses were kind of a symbol that the doctor had grown so full of himself, and this whole series was sort of the doctor kind of with Clara just running roughshod over the universe and then finally at the end the doctor gets what's coming to him and he has a major piece of himself the memory of Clara ripped out of him and he's now been put in his place that you've been so full of yourself now you gotta start again yeah, and the one thing about it that's great is he remembers the stories. He says he remembers the Mummy on the Orient Express and so on. So he's not lost the adventures. He just can't. It's like a perception filter. He doesn't. He can't see Clara when he right. recounts those stories. Well, yeah. It, when he asked- and, and it's also a clever way of erasing Clara from his timeline in that he won't remember her there. He, he knows mm. that she was there, but he doesn't remember her being there. 
you know, I, you know, and you can you can uh, write it off being that it was uh, the memory wipe. The memory wipe was for was made for uh, human compatibility. So maybe you know that's why it's not completely effective on him. Where he remembers, you know, he, it's it's sort of like selective memory that was uh, wiped, not the whole, you know, not yeah. everything. There, there is one, there is one conundrum is that of course he's looking for Clara at the beginning of the story, which we know now is actually the end of the story. Um, now, you know, some people are thinking, well, uh, I think it was Darwin saying that, is he still now going to carry on looking for Clara? Because, you know, he may not have made the connection that the, the, the girl in what was the TARDIS, what looked like a diner, was in fact Clara. But I think when, when it dissolved, first of all, he would have recognised that that was a TARDIS mm-hmm. dissolving around him. Secondly, when he sees his own TARDIS uh, uh, there is the image of Clara on there. Yeah. We don't definitely see him recognising it, but one can assume that he knows he had ventures with her. She's the most likely person to have had a TARDIS. It wasn't just some random girl in a diner. That was a TARDIS. That was Clara. The picture on it with the different hairstyle is the girl he's just been talking just, to. Yeah, exactly. So I think, I, think, I think, although he can't remember, and he may still not be able to bring that image to mind, he should be able to connect the dots. Realise that 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 yeah, connect the dots. That's over. And I did like the very fact that when the TARDIS dematerialised, uh, all those pictures and the painting uh, uh, came away from the the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think that was great. Uh, I must admit, I I thought this episode. I mean, uh, I think the last episode, eleven. I, I'd have given that four maybe four and a half out of five TARDIS groans. This one, I think, was a, a solid five, deserved the extra time. Love the music, by the way. Mm-hmm. There was some, also some great little minor parts. The, for instance, uh, when we're in the barn, that, that woman kept running in and out. Oh, you know. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, it's, it's really great. It's but, funny because, I, I mean, we, we, I'm, I'm assuming she was the caretaker of the barn or, or the, of the, I don't know, you know, her exact role, but she's, uh, yeah. but she. It's very unclear as to what her character was. Was, were, was the doctor in an orphanage and the boys refers to orphans yeah. or was that the doctor's mother? It was, I think, deliberately left clear. Mm-hmm. Unclear, Unclear, rather, yeah, so that yeah. you can put whatever you want, whatever spin on that. Whether this character is the same one you saw in the end of time with the hands over her face, we don't know. But it's kind of meant to kind of, I guess, allude to that character, where you can make that connection if you want to, or you can argue against it. Mm-hmm. And she know. only had a couple. I think she was like him. She only had a couple of lines at the very, when she sees the doctor and she, you know, she says, you know, oh, you know, first he's, she doesn't realize who it is and she tries to get him away. Then, um, you know, then she realizes and then she says, oh, you know, they'll, they'll kill you. And that's the, and then we see her throughout, well, not throughout the whole episode, but we see her from time to time um, in those beginning scenes there. And she doesn't, she doesn't, it's, she's speechless throughout the rest of the rest of the episode. Yeah, I assume she's like a pastoral care or a nanny or something. Where because I don't think that was the. It's not a school, but it was like a retreat, wasn't it? The barn. It was like a place where you know you you give up all the your worldly things. And you go and sleep in a simple cot 
then you, well, you eat simple gruel, that sort of a... It kind of alludes to the fact that the doctor may be a shabogan. Ah. Yeah. Or at least uh, uh, spent time with them. And, and then he raised, possibly raised himself out of that. Because mm-hmm. you do hear in the Tom Baker era him saying that he, he passed his exams with like a 50% or something like that. It, and all yeah. these things that uh, it could be that he pulled himself out of humble beginnings beginnings to become this person. Right. Right. Which is why he doesn't really fit in with the the regal time lords that you have there. He, he's more from the, the backwoods of Gallifrey. Yeah, and he uh, never just, fit in with the with the. Uh... Can we just uh, pause there? Because I know you don't give uh, ratings, Taras. Um Lee, have you got time to just give a rating? Uh, Lee, Lee's having to leave now. I think. Oh hey, um, five and five. Just had a just had a ball with both of those shows. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, sorry yeah. if you didn't get to, to say as much as you wanted to on today. Uh, just as well. It's been, a, it's been a lively conversation, I think, so that's, that's what matters. Ah. And, there you uh, go, and I'm going to give it a ah. five out of five as well. Thanks, Kyle. And I'm going to... Well, uh, just... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say it's only you, Lewis, because okay. we know Taras, Taras doesn't give rating. But it was great television, nonetheless. Ah, well done. <laughs> no, I'm I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna echo uh, or mirror pretty much what you had said, um, Dave, and I'm giving it. Um, I, I think that as a whole, the three, uh, you know, if if you want to include all three episodes as a three-parter, uh, I'll give it five. You know, as I said when we were reviewing Face the Raven, you know, I didn't really I, I think I gave it a middle of a road review um, rating I should say and I said it's going to depend it on me I still haven't seen it again though I, because I usually I like to watch it at least twice before reviewing it so I um, I enjoyed these two episodes on this even more so on the second time around and um, but as a whole you know I'll give the the series finale you know um, all three as a five you know, five out of five Tardis groans. Um, I thought it was done very well. I thought Heaven Sent was, um, again, visually, and it was ex- it was visually stunning. It was executed very well. Um, I think Peter Capaldi did a great job holding his own self, you know, uh, holding that episode together, you know, doing it solo with himself. Um, I think it worked very well. Like I said, the first time I saw it, I was getting a little restless halfway through it. But it wasn't there the second time on the on the second viewing. So um, so I'll mirror what you had said. I think you know I'll, if I had to do it individually, I'll do four and five for those two, or maybe four and a half and five, and then I would together or you know as a whole the whole three part I would give a five out of five. I, I think an actor of Capaldi's uh, stature was able to to pull off heaven sent i don't think with a lesser actor in the role would they have been mm-hmm. able to pull yeah. off what they did in heaven sent yeah and it was very uh it was a nice show very much a risk to 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 do a 
a mostly a one-hander in in, uh, in such a uh, format where you have a 45-minute episode. Well, actually, in this case, it was 55 minutes, where it's just the one person mm. with his demons. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, um, we're at some point we will be doing a series review. Um, it may or may not be a live show. That's, uh, but maybe um, it's. It won't be next week. Um, we'll see how the, you know things pan out after the holidays, perhaps, because um, I'm not sure how the next couple weeks are panning out schedule wise. But we'll we'll um, oh, and we'll do the, obviously we got the Christmas episode coming up, which is the husbands of um, of River Song. Which is, uh, as we mentioned, is coming on um, Christmas Day. So we'll see about doing a review with that, and then we'll do a, a whole series review where we can. Uh, what I'm hoping to do is uh, myself personally is to revisit, you know, you know, rewatch, you know, all the episodes before doing a series review. Hi, this is Graham Harper, and you're listening to Doctor Who Podshot. Hi, this is Lee Shackelford reminding you that Doctor Who Podshock is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible. Just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 150,000 titles. Let me say that again. 150,000 titles titles to choose from. Imagine a genre, they've got an audiobook in it. And these files play on iPhones, Kindles, iPads, any smartphone. In fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Dr. Who Ponchak, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. You can choose anything at all from that vast library, but we know you'll want to get one of their delicious Dr. Who titles. They're performed for you by actors you know and love, wonderful voices, uh, Tom Baker, Paul McGann, David Tennant, on and on it goes. Try it out for 30 days, and if at the end of that month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So, let me put it this way, free Doctor Who book, right? So, here's how to get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash podjock. That's Audible Trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash Podshock. Pick your free book. You're going to love it. So I want to thank everyone's participation in this. Um, you know, uh, everyone in chat, everyone that was uh, listening live, and of course, um, Kyle and uh, Lee and Taras and of course Dave uh, thank you so much for um, coming together and doing the live show and until next time oh and you can always catch um, Dave and Ian on the Cultum Collective on Sundays as well though they I don't believe you did a show today but you'll be doing one for next week if I'm correct by the, by, by the time people are listening to this, we will have done oh, our. Uh, we would have done it already. Yes. On the, on this, the, on well, the, on the 20th. Yes. Okay. So, very well pointed. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, um, but until next time, um, cheers, everyone. Um.
Cheers. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifreyNMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchuck Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. would go. Must choose above, between, below. You in pain, Doctor? Age has not mellowed you, has it, Brigadier?